so you should stand up and get ready to take a blow. You have the confidence that you can accept the blow. As a point of interest, none of my men wear protection in the room. None. After all, you wouldn't want your attacker to get injured. That hurt my foot. Welcome everyone to Afterburn Soccer, formerly Big D After Dark. Shout out to our friends at BigDSoccer.com. But you can find us now at Afterburn.Soccer. Um, and hey, we're glad to be here tonight. My name is Nathan. I'm the little host convener for this weekly conversation where we break down the latest FC Dallas, North Texas, MLS news. We'll get into a bit of interesting things tonight. Um, but, and you can follow me at Nathan J. Hill. With me right now is, is our good friend Ishmael Belcora. You can follow him at Belcora Isma on Twitter. Jose Carmona will be joining us in just a few moments, so we'll weave him in. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about tonight, and we want to take your comments and your questions live as we get going here. So pepper us with some questions, some insights that you had from the recent FC Dallas action as on Saturday afternoon they uh, went up to Vancouver tough, a weird place to play, as Nico, head coach Nico said during the week, and came away with a draw, a vital away point, which you always take in this league. So, some good things to take away. It was an interesting match. Uh, it had its ups and downs. Um, you could argue that the team left some points out there. Um, the the equalizer goal did come from a Paul Ariola own goal, which is disappointing. Not, not the first goal of the season you wanted to see Paul Ariola put into the back of the net. So, uh, Ishmael, just give us your thoughts after, as you watch the match, as you have uh, processed the performance this third game of the 2023 season for FC Dallas. Yeah, just watching this game, one of the main things I took away from it was that the Western Conference is going to be such a difficult conference to play in. Um, this year, as it is most years, but Vancouver has not won a single game. And in this game, they legitimately were the better side for like half of the game. Um, mm. There were short stints here and there where FC Dallas was able to control play a little bit more. Um, but all in all, it was just a really difficult game um, to play and FC Dallas being able to only concede one goal in this game was really remarkable. Um, all in all, I think we're starting to get a little bit more of ideas about what the defense can do, uh, who are the best players, what are their strengths, their weaknesses. Um, it was it was an interest. It was a good game for fans to see 
and for us to analyze without having like too many positives and negatives it was just a very even game a very mm -hmm. good game of soccer and yeah it was we don't usually get results in vancouver and so right. getting a right. draw is always a good thing uh and it's just we're one one and one so far this season this is a very this is this is going to be an interesting season i think this is one of the things that i saw that well the one of the lower place teams in the league plays really good soccer so yeah it was just a very good game yeah i was i was impressed uh with vancouver's performance if that here comes to say right now Hey Jose, we're just uh, uh, we're just getting started uh, talking about giving our reactions to the game on Saturday at FC Dallas's performance. Um, I don't know if you can center yourself on the screen there, Jose, but <laughs> um, yeah, I I was really impressed with Vancouver how quickly they were able to kind of spring out, get the ball into attack, get the ball into really dangerous positions against FC Dallas. And, and, like, their forward play is really good. I mean, he just is able to sort of – he's that just get in there, occupy the center backs, and kind of win the ball in dangerous spots. And so you could argue that FC Dallas was lucky not to give up more opportunities. Uh, Paz had that amazing save, which I think was crucial to preserving it. Um, unlucky for Ariola just to be in the position he was to give up that own goal because uh, he was actually in a decent position to try to – play that ball and get, do something with it. Just just that kind of stuff happens. But uh, credit to Vancouver. And, and, you know, and FC Dallas certainly has some other chances too. And so um, I, I just think it, it, when Nico said Vancouver's a weird place to play and then the team gets a fifth-minute goal from Tafari to Ibiaga, like no one had that on their bingo card, no one had that in match predictions, that is not – what people think of when they think of a, and it wasn't a like a headed headed ball to from one side of the goal to the other. It, it was it was Tafari with a long, long cross in, uh, and Ibiaga was just in position. It was just a great uh, a great play, heads up play from those two guys. We'll hear from him in a minute. Uh, Jose, what were your reactions to the game? Oh, oh, you're still not. Okay, yeah, all right. Jose's having some some technical issues. Well, let's go ahead and jump over to Nico. Um, Nico's like, I was able to ask him a question after the game just about, uh, you know, the mentality for the guys, kind of how he kept his squad focused, knowing that, hey, we, we go up a goal early. How do we see this result out and get something from it? Here, Here's Nico. Uh, this group has the uh, hungry, you know, to, to, to go to any place and, and, and try to win. Uh, we showed last year, I think uh, it was very important for us, our first uh, away game, to set the tone. Uh, we already learned uh, from, uh, from our last game at home uh, what it, it takes to, to, to win, right? And I think uh, we put that in, in the table. And I think uh, the guys uh, had an amazing effort. Um, and then for me, the, the only thing, that I and I told them, is like, the mentality, you know, you you winning one nothing, just go and kill the game, right? And and it, it sounds very easy, right? When when we said it's more difficult than that, but I think uh, we could be a little bit more determined and more aggressive in those moments uh, uh, that we had. Uh, I think uh, Vancouver was struggling and having a hard time, and um, and we were comfortable, but I think uh, we missed a little bit more uh, aggression, you know, in that in that uh, moment of the game. 
And uh, I think we react well with the adjustments work well. And the players that came in uh, helped a lot. And, uh, you know, credit because historically is a, a difficult uh, stadium and, and team to, to play with uh, here. Uh, and today, I think uh, we did a lot of things to, to deserve to win this game. So, uh, Nico felt like, you know, that there were points that, that, that the team played well enough to win this game. Um, yeah, just your thoughts on that, Ishmael. Yeah, it was, it was just a challenging game. And I think Nico talked about it, that this kind of game is something that FC Dallas is going to have to deal with more and more. And coming into a season like this, uh, even early on, any expectations to roll over teams is just, it's just dead in the water, right? And so Vancouver... I don't think any of us had an expectation to win, but we had an expectation that we would play uh, like we would be the better side. And in, in looking at the whole game, Vancouver did produce the m- more chances. Vancouver did generally look better over the entirety of the game. Vancouver, uh, Dallas had their spells um, of control and that's why we were able to calm down a lot of their press. But it was just really, it was just again a really good game of two teams playing two different styles. And so it was just really awesome to see the team being able to pull a point away, away on the road, which is something that's always important. Um, and do it while also not getting overwhelmed by a team that is very, very good. And so, yeah, it was a really, just a really good game. And that just transitioning into the next game, that's what matters. Like continuing the push for results, um, despite whoever we have, that's, that's going to be what's important throughout the season. Yeah, I think it's going to be a brutal season. And yeah, just teams are going to play well. Like, I, I look over at San Jose Earthquakes, who were last season one of the worst teams in the league. Obviously fired their head coach, brought in Lucci, and they're playing well. You know, they're ahead of FC Dallas at this point in the standings. Uh, this league turns around quick. And, um, and so you just can't count anyone out. You can't assume anyone is going to be an easy a win. Unless maybe right now you're playing Charlotte. Charlotte seems to be the team that's that's really doing themselves in, but uh, yeah, it's it, it's such a tough league. So I, I appreciate how uh, you know Nico is really beginning to recognize it's it's not his first year in the league. He's been an assistant coach before, but he's just so he's recognizing that, and integrating that knowledge of like, hey, there are places where you go and you play and you get a point and you take it to the bank. You know, you you know just know how difficult it is and you prep your guys for that. And you don't care if it's an ugly win, a pretty win. Uh, you, you just get the win. And so, like, that Tafari to Ibiaga goal, uh, just you take it. <laughs> you know, you take it and you roll with it. Because, uh, you know, FC Dallas, I think, too often has been – has gifted other teams those kinds of goals, uh, those kinds of bounces. So it's nice when it goes your way for once. Um, it's just going to be a grind of a season this year. Um, yeah. I'm here. Hey, Jose, I can hear you. Okay, cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> I simply have to change my uh, my microphone yeah. settings. Okay. So. Yeah, uh, Jose's been trying to work out a technical detail, but he is here with us. So your your reactions to the to the draw against Vancouver, Jose? Well, you know me, I like a point on the road, and uh, I think none of us are happy at how nervy the team looked at times. Uh, where I, I think it was training where we all thought that Vancouver was going to get that, you know, that final goal. Mm -hmm. But the team persevered. They played gritty. I mean, I'm very happy with the results. I mean, part of me, of course, wants three points, but we don't have any good results in Vancouver recently that I can recall. So... I'll take it. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Um, I think there was some uneven performances across the board. Where I mean, in the attack, anyway. I think the midfield was solid, uh, at least possession-wise, but I think we would have preferred to see them do more in the attack. It was kind of hard for that to transpire because every time Paxton and Velasco yeah. and Paul got the ball, these guys were getting hammered on. And with the left, with the refs allowing the, the Vancouver and Dallas to play, if Vancouver was just, you know, they had free reign to just basically destroy any potential buildup that that FC Dallas was attempting. So, mm -hmm. uh, but the defense, I think, I think the defense, I think the defense was great. Uh, I'm excited that the parties had back-to-back -back good games. Has been just dominant on air and duel on, on aerials and duels, and and kind of excited that he was on Martinez's usual spot, which I didn't expect. And then Ibiaga played well enough that that I like to see that pairing again because I think they were both dominant dominant in the air. In midweek, Nico said uh, that you know we should expect this. We should expect rotation based on the wear and tear of the season, but also just matchups. And uh, I definitely think probably, you know, at least on paper, Ibiaga's stronger maybe in the air than Jose, maybe a little, but um, so I was, I took like a lot of fans, I'm sure. When I saw the lineup sheet come out, I, I hesitated. I was like, oh no, but it worked out. You know, they got the job done. Um, maybe it wasn't the prettiest, flashiest, job ever but it, they got the job done and, and of course but also this is the second game in a row where Tafari uh, and Kosi has looked um, legit you know like like what we have seen him before which which begs the question you know why he hasn't locked down that spot or what what more the coach wants to see from him but hey that's that's that locker room talk that we don't get to be a part of you know um, it'll be it's it, just yeah. yeah it's just one of the things when looking at this season is again I don't think we emphasize enough how big the game management is how important that game management is going to be especially when League's Cup comes up because we're going to have an insane number of games and having the starters being comfortable with each other is extremely important like we can say that having four starting level center backs is a need coming into the season 
but you can't just throw them out. Like, if you never play Tafari and Ibiaga together, you can't just throw them out against the Liga MX side, against Nikoxa, just because that's what comes up. And that's how the legs are at that time. Mm. They have to be comfortable with each other. And so now we've seen, like, that's what I was saying, that we've seen now in these three games, we still have a lot to learn. But in these three games, we've seen the strengths of these players and how they work well together. Martinez and Ibiaga maybe don't have the best partnership because of the lack of speed, but the experience could matter in those games down the stretch. And Kosi and Martinez is a comfortable pairing. Uh, and then Ibiaga and Tafari, uh, they work well together just because of how physical they are. And then in those big and those difficult matches, that will be crucial. And so knowing this now, instead of learning this in July, is extremely important. And it's not saying that now is the time to try things, but now is the time to solidify what we know and solidify those those partnerships and those relationships between players so that when the important stuff comes up later on in the season we are ready we're not just like oh, i guess uh, throw them in together so it, it was just it was really interesting to see i want to see again martinez and ibiaga because i feel like ibiaga just had a really bad first game just maybe because of nerves but that's what we want to see we want to yeah. see them get yeah. comfortable with each other well, good stuff. Let's let's listen to Sebastian Ibiaga first. Just talk about what it felt like to score that actually first major league soccer goal of his career in an FC Dallas kit, and uh, and evidently he and and Kosi are are good buds already. And so uh, let's hear from him real quick, and then we'll kind of keep the conversation rolling. Uh, no, it's good. It's been a long time since I scored a goal, so it was good to get on the score sheet and then obviously yeah, for it to be assisted by Coase is just kind of funny you know that's my boy so we kind of just looked with each other and I was like just put that in the box and I'll go get it that's exactly what he did so yeah no it was good just makes it a little extra special that was from Coase as well it's a little extra special though. We'll, we'll take it take it young man or yeah um, anyway uh, or younger t- to me anyway yeah, so Hey, so next game up for FC Dallas, we wel- welcome Sporting Kansas City at home to Frisco. Fun fact about Sporting Kansas City, winless so far this season. Unless they, did they have a draw? I mean, they had draws. They had two they had draws. draws. Oh, they no, had two draws. Still, still winless, though. That's correct. But, but winless, right. And zero goals scored. And for one of the hotter teams in the second half of last season, uh, they just were were tough <laughs> and were on fire. Uh, their striker was just playing well, and, well, they have struggled. And they had 30 uh, – Ishmael pulled up. They had 30 shots in their last game, still zero goals. I don't – now, that uh, scares me a little bit just because they got nothing to lose. They're going to come in here against FC Dallas like we got to score, you know, and so um, – you know, I hope that run continues, but uh, just what are your thoughts thinking uh, about this upcoming match against Sporting Kansas City? Jose, we'll start with you. Well, it's Sporting, you know, it's going to be chippy. And, and uh, you know, it, and, and Sporting always seems to have some good set pieces against FC Dallas. 
and that's really what I expect. I expect that a hard-fought game. Dallas has to score a goal early, at least, or midway through the first half, and force uh, force a more open game. I think I think if Dallas does that at home, force uh, Sporting to to play a more a more open game, then I'm pretty confident that as Dallas can get can get the uh, win. But it's that chippiness, you know. How are the refs going to call it? That's this is a big deal. Um, I mean, do we really need Paxton getting beat up as badly as he got beat up in Vancouver two weeks in a row? I hope not. I hope it's. I hope the refs call it a little bit closer, and uh, we see yeah. quite a few yellow cards going probably both ways. I. I think it's going to be a rough first half, but I, I think it's going to be a fun second half. I, I think it'll open up. I think Dallas will get that goal. And uh, we'll have an entertaining game. And here's hoping that Sporting doesn't break their uh, their uh, break in their attack against against uh, right. FC Dallas and, 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 and open the floodgates. That's, that's my fear as well. Yeah, um, it's interesting, right? Because uh, Alan Pulido hasn't been in the first three games. Um, he was expected to be in the home opener that they had last week, um, and he wasn't. But he is in training, like, completely, according to the Blue Testament over at Sporting Kansas City. And so I think it's pretty likely he probably won't start, but he will be on the bench, right? Not saying that cures all of their goal-scoring issues, but one of the things that I've seen is that it feels like to a lot of people that this Kansas City team is just – very close to breaking the, the dam. They pushed LA Galaxy to the brink, and it took a lot from them to keep Kansas City scoreless. And it's not like they're just having a bunch of shots off target, right? It's 30 shots, 11 on target. So they are pushing, right? So again, based off of what happened in that last game, they are very attack heavy. They don't possess... That's the Kansas City way. It's a lot of pressing, individual pressing in those individual battles that Jose was talking about will end up causing a lot of scrappiness. And so, again, it's going to be a little similar to that Vancouver game where FC Dallas will probably have the brunt of the possession, something that it didn't look like they were able to completely make work in that Vancouver game. It's not going to be super similar, but those scrappy moments are very important to see how the team deals with that. It was really awesome to see Paxton being able to brush off a lot of it. He looked knocked up, but he was able to brush off a lot of it. That's great coming into the season with all the injury concerns that we have for him. And so this game is going to be a difficult one, despite the fact that they haven't scored any goals. They also have only conceded one so far this season, and that was in their first game. So their defense is better than it was last year. Mm. So how is Jesus going to be able to be hot and cold again? Like, what's going to happen here? Like, that's one of the things that we're looking at this at the start of the season that, again, looks like Jesus is being a little hot and cold. So that's what we're looking at here. It's going to be a difficult game, but, again, hopefully an entertaining one. That's what we're always hoping for. I, I don't have a problem with Jesus being hot and cold so long as he's hot at home and cold on the road, but it's too early to tell if he's even hot at all. So, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it's so so early in this season. There's a lot to a lot to think about, and and of course, I think it's too early even to think about match predictions and things as the season as as the week goes along. I'm going to be curious to see kind of the health of the squad. And I know Ariola came off early against Vancouver with a bit of a knock, but. I don't think Nico was concerned about it, but we'll just be watching those kinds of things. I mean, Pomacol was just flattened over and over again. I just, I know that's going to have an effect on him. And we haven't really seen the, the next person up other than Quinone behind Cerio. Um, you know, but if Siki's given extended minutes, can he get things going? Can we really see the best out of Sebastian? Yeah, so there's a lot of questions still for FC Dallas. Cause I don't think we've seen the best of them yet. Um, even though we've had two very positive results this past two weeks. Um, that's good. Well, hey, let's, let's jump over to some other fun talk. Um, uh, th- let's start with this rumor. I, I, I didn't read the ESPN article about it, so I'm just going off of what was tweeted out. But evidently, there's talk of, uh, of, of Bayern Munich of, of developing a relationship with Los Angeles FC, and a subtext of that, of course, is that uh, Bayern has a relationship with FC Dallas Academy. And it's been a very successful relationship. I mean, you look at a guy like Chris Richards, you know, you look at some of the loans that have happened. Um, but there's been some rumblings that maybe Bayern isn't happy because FC Dallas isn't just uh, rolling over and accepting lowball prices for these talented academy players. But then... A bidding war begins, and so uh, these guys end up going elsewhere, right? You know, they, 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 Bayern can't afford to purchase them, um, uh, you know, uh, whether it's a, a, a Pepe, which I don't know if they were interested, but I imagine they'd have to be interested in a Pepe or, or Brian Reynolds or others. So, uh, Jose, have you read this, this thing? And kind of what's your take on it? Uh, is that something for FC Dallas fans to be concerned about? Or, or is this just part of FC Dallas's uh, emergence in the international market? Yeah, I, I don't honestly think that he's going to change between FC Dallas and, and, and Bayern. I honestly don't get what the big deal is with their 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 partnership with LAFC. Um, I know there's it's supposed to be a shared deal. They're going to have a have it set up in Germany and whatnot, but what, I don't know what LAFC brings to the table other than, than, than the fact that they're the champs and, and you know, and and are ambitious. I mean, I'll give them that. So they are ambitious. They do have ambition, but I'm not sure what they bring to the table for, for Bayern other than that. I mean, I don't know that they have a good academy. Uh, I know there's a lot of talent in the area. But I'll tell you right now that the LAFC two has like one player signed to their to their roster. Everybody else, even even Rochester, which just folded, had more players signed to their roster, and they they had been losing players left and right. I don't I don't understand it. Uh, I don't think it's really going to affect uh, the FC Dallas Bayern. Uh, Thing they've got going it's not it's not like it's not like there's there's some activity between both two between both teams and Bayern's a big enough club that they could have partnerships with 12 teams in the u.s and it, mm. it really wouldn't affect the, the yeah. dallas uh, model so i yeah. think i think and i think the training the training will keep going back and forth and and 
and like I said, I don't really think it's going to change much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing. Uh, let's not forget that uh, uh, Tarek Scott was, was with Bayern this offseason. Right. And had he not been injured and lost for the season, he'd be the Bayern connection this year. So, like I said, it, it's, I don't think it changed anything, alters anything. And, and Bayern's just, you know, they're probably going to do a, a, you know, they're probably going to add an East Coast. Uh, affiliation before lot too, because why? Why have just West Coast and, and Central? Might as well add an East Coast one too. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and North Texas, uh, their season is coming up soon. We don't have. Uh, they did sign up. They signed a futsal player, which is kind of fun. This last week, I'm going to try to set up a, an interview that we can use uh, up on an upcoming show or release on the site at Afterburn.Soccer. So stay tuned for that. But their, their roster is slowly coming together. Jose put together a good uh, kind of a piece about where the roster is right now as the as, as it continues to come together. Um, yeah, it's looking good. Yeah. It's looking good. Uh, Pandeka, he's, uh, like I said, a uh, futsal guy and, and a top-tier one at that. You know, uh, uh, started for the, World, the U.S. World Cup team uh, and uh, played – Futsal professionally in Europe, I believe. So he's uh, with with uh, in France, I believe. So this guy is and, and mind mind you, when it comes to to soccer itself, he was a, a high school All America. Um, so he prioritized futsal over soccer, and now he's decided to prioritize soccer over futsal. And he looked great uh, from all reports in in. Um, in preseason, so you could see this signing coming a mile away once 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 they figured out who who he was and, and you know who's that trialist number three. And once we figure out who it was, it's like oh yeah, this guy's got you know North Texas trialist signing. And mind you, it just and he is a North Texas guy by the way. So just a testament to how much talent there is uh, in North Texas and and. Trialists that FC Dallas signs are just on another level than than most of your of your uh, uh, other MLS next pro teams. I can think of a few that can that could do those kind of yearly trialist signs that could have an impact. Like St. Louis has a ton of talent, and you know I'm sure they're going to have some trials they're going to make them. So yeah, really excited about about uh, this trialist, and and honestly I'm I'm stoked. I'm excited. For the roster, the roster is shaping up. I think they already have a really strong roster, and they haven't even gotten any any loans from the from the senior team yet. So, I think uh, I think I don't know if you guys knew, but I wrote a piece much earlier where I talked about the top ten teams in MLS Next Pro, mm-hmm. and and the fact is that even if North Texas ends up being just a mediocre team, for whatever reason, injuries, you never know. MLX, MLS Next Pro is such a top-heavy league where where you know your top ten, top fourteen teams are just on another level compared to the bottom half of teams. That even a mediocre team can have an excellent season because there's just a lot of teams that just don't put the time and effort. You know, um, it's not that they don't roll out rosters, but you know, they, they some teams just have no no set tactics no 
you know, it's more of a, they look more like all-star teams than, than actual teams. You know, they're just throwing whichever players are in there. It's just hard. It's just hard to watch some of these teams, you know. FC Dallas is on the positive side where, where they put effort into their team. And, and you know which teams do that. You know, the teams with great academies are the teams that right now are having the best go in MLS Next Pro. And, and I'm excited for the season, but I know a lot of people are not. But that's because, you know, look at North Texas. How many players signed uh, MLS contracts off of last year's team? You got Mulatto. You got Kamongo. Uh, then, of course, you had uh, even Bartlett. <laughs> signed with uh, St. Louis and made his debut in MLS yeah. last Legend. week. So that's three MLS players coming out. Of, and, and I know people are going to say, hey, well, he was, Bartlett was drafted. He was, but he, he never saw minutes with, with Dallas and, and nobody ever thought he would see MLS minutes. So there you go. Three players out of uh, North Texas. And that's why I like watching that team because there are about three or four guys that have potential. I'm not saying they will have potential to make that step up to the senior team. Uh, it's, go ahead, it's, it's really like looking at what we're going to have this year. Um, most likely, Endeli is going to be the one that's loaned full, full time because you know FC Dallas can do that with one player before it becomes a cap hit. So they'll probably loan Endeli full time. Um, Carrera, Norris, uh, Corcha will probably be down there a lot, but they probably won't be loaned down full-time because they are needed on the roster if in case injuries come up. And so just looking at the rest of the team, it's, it's a really good balance of both signed players, FC Dallas players that, that need time, and academy players. Like, it was really really like heartwarming to see uh diego Hernandez. um um yeah i think it's diego hernandez i think that's his name the academy yep. player um who's been who was just in a car crash last year and derailed a lot of his development for a decent amount of time be a starter for the majority of the preseason games because that to me tells me that the that the first team hasn't given up on him and knows how talented he is and so just seeing that balance, just seeing Urzua being signed like last week in a very Great probable time. NTSC slash FC Dallas contract. Um, so us signing a kid from El Paso, from the El Paso Academy. Like these are just really, it's a very interesting balance. And every single year that North Texas has been in MLS Next, and like it has existed, it's been different because it's been different coaches and some of them have had some, like they've had different pros and cons. And so now there's a very equal balance, which is something that we haven't seen like completely. Like uh, Pamo Luka did not have a complete balance with the Academy players coming into the first, into the North Texas SC. Um, Eric Quill had a lot of players signed to that team and did not have a lot of, bringing from the first team in the academy so seeing this balance in preseason again actual season is going to be it's, it, it differs sometimes so hopefully this continues but seeing that balance is a very good thing to see 
this early on, and hopefully they continue that throughout the season. Yeah, yeah I just want to add that that the first year of existence is when we had a lot of uh, interaction between both teams because we honestly didn't know, and I'm sure the team was trying to figure out how North Texas would work, but we had Pepe and a lot of players from SC Dallas see a lot of men from North Texas in his first year of existence. And then as far as Quill, he was cobbled by the whole COVID thing. And, and so I'm sure he would love to have had some players going down to him. And, but that kind of made it hard with the whole, had like a two week, you know, you had to like sit out for two weeks before if you were going to be switching between teams. So it just not, did not make it worthwhile other than season loans to have players, you know, come play with the team. So it's, I would love to see, uh, I keep hearing that they're going to go back to, you know, similar to what they did the first year. But I got to see it, you know. I, I keep yeah. hearing it. And, and we've see. seen some players, some first-team players, get minutes already in preseason, which is it's a good sign. Mm-hmm. I just hope, like, this this kind of signing, like, you know, my, in my piece about North Texas, it, yeah, we're going to definitely see a lot of academy guys. We're going to see some first-team guys get minutes. We're going to see North Texas, you know, have these interesting international loans of this prompt prospects that gives a full year in the FC Dallas Academy, which is a credit to, you know, to the development structure that this team is building and, and that other players go like, oh, you know, I can go from Argentina, I can go from Brazil and get an opportunity to play here where, where Ricardo Pepe went to Europe, where, uh, you know, we've seen Justin Che and these other guys have gotten opportunities to go. And so they see in FC Dallas as a next step in their career, or at the very least, it's a, it's a chance to play in a different environment and grow as a young adult, as you know, in, in that, in a different kind of environment. Um, but, you know, I love to this Thomas Pondeca signing, which right now I sort of slot it as like a Camungo signing, like, this diamond in the rough, a guy who's a trialist who just, I know Kamungo was younger, but like, here's a guy that other folks may have missed, scouts may have missed, just didn't have that opportunity, wasn't given that chance, and here just gets a chance to maybe step up and become something special. If Dallas can land on those kinds of guys, like, wow. Well, and they're just great stories. It's just great stories, you know? I'm really excited and about it's... the, go ahead. Uh, it's it's similar to the Mikey Maldonado signing, right? And they they did an interesting thing with the press release for the Pundeca signing, saying who are all the open trialist um, signings that they've had over the years, and it's been five in total, including Pundeca. There might be another one, mainly because we've had goalkeeper trialist number one play like come in every single preseason game for Antonio Carrera, sure. and I think that one is from the open trials they probably do need another goalkeeper, so he might be signed sooner rather than later. But looking at a player like Mikey Maldonado, it doesn't have to be Camungo where he goes he will go into the first team and be influential for uh for for the first team like long term. Pundeca can have a very good career like Maldonado is having right now where he went to Ford Madison and now is at North Carolina and went from just being an amateur soccer player to actually getting his opportunity. So it's not exactly like Kamungo, it's more like Maldonado, where he just came in, decided to take a chance at it, and is now part of an organization that will look to 
build his future, whether that is with FC Dallas or somewhere else in the professional game. And so that's, it'll be very fun to see his career. It'll be very fun to see a futsal player play on a regular soccer field. That's something I have never ah, seen. True. So like, that'll be very, very cool. I, I, I want to say that I'm really excited to see what Henry brings to the table. He's been starting every preseason match and, and this is a guy whose resume, his youth resume is just phenomenal. So good that when he was linked with, uh, with uh, the organization, most of us thought he was being signed for FC Dallas. And, and for North Texas to acquire a guy like that, you know, a, a real legit top prospect, we're talking captain the U-17 uh, Brazil World Cup winning club he also he's also won multiple we're talking like like uh multiple brazilian cups uh at the youth level he's won just about every cup he could possibly win this guy is a stud and the only reason he's in north texas is because he suffered an injury last year and and he's coming back from that but his pedigree his talent is all there and if this guy puts it together he's a guy that that his pedigree says is a guy that FC Dallas senior team could use if he gets back to 100%. He's mm-hmm. that he's that got that high of potential, and I'm really excited to see what he does. I expect him to anchor that back line, and uh, we, we're seeing already seeing some North Texas players get uh, practice with the senior team. I have yet to see Henry. But once he does, I'm, I'll be curious to see how he does because his, yeah. everything about this kid screams future star. Well, good. We're going we're gonna to start to wrap up the show. Uh, so a lot to look forward to this week. And, of course, you'll want to stay connected to the site after burn.soccer. We'll be posting the audio link. And I apologize for the dog barking. <laughs> this. I'm, doing, I'm, I'm in a new setting and not quite, uh, uh, you know, I'm out here with the with, with other things happening. So we'll try to work around that as we go. But the other big news on Twitter today and in the soccer world was the investigation about uh, allegations against Greg Berhalter, an incident that happened 30 years ago between um, his, his now wife and then girlfriend or fiance and uh, when they were freshmen in college of a, of a, of a fight between them, an altercation, a physical altercation that just was not good. You know, it's not good. It's not healthy or, but how both of them, they're they're not married, have kids and have grown through that and have addressed that. Um, but also addressing the behavior of, of a certain family to, uh, uh, U S soccer executives, um, and that's the Reina family, of course, who really groused and, and complained uh, when uh, their son, Gio Reina, did not get as many minutes as they wanted. So they complained and they threatened and they harassed. And uh, it, it is a fascinating read that, that goes back since Reina was playing with the U-20s and others, you know, uh, that just is a mess. It's just a, it's just a mess. There's just no winners out of this situation. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know if you all have any opinions on this. I mean, the, the, the craziest thing said was, was uh, Gio's mom. And, and I know Gio's 
not not certainly accountable for what his parents say or do not say you know we, some of us have dramatic parents yeah. you know in our lives but uh but uh you know that at one point she said that you know with one phone call she uh, she could get rid of Burhalter sneakers and bounce passes forever or whatever, you know. So it's like, what are you talking? Anyway, a lot of drama there. So any reactions from that news this week? Anything that I don't know that gives you pause or does this mean Burhalter is it, can can he come back or not as head coach for the United States men's national team? Well, I mean, he can come back. He probably won't, given that McBride and Stewart are gone. Um, like. Besides all of this insanity, the fact that his two biggest proponent, like proponents in USSF are gone is probably not the greatest sign for his future. And then you add this to it, probably probably won't come back. It is a very not it's not a very comfortable position for me because of we are going into twenty twenty six expecting at least a quarterfinal appearance and we start off the cycle with no head coach, no general manager, and this entire drama going on, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that in the terrible future of we do terribly in 2026, we will look back at this and say, this was the start, right? And I hope this isn't what happens, but this is not good, right? I really do hope that despite all of this that ha that's happened, somehow some way Gio Reyna gets to be part of the men's national team. I don't see how that happens with Burhalter or with how terrible the Reynas have been, at least currently, but it's it would be so destructive for his career if he just never played for the national team. Like it, it's just so bad. I will also say that if Claudio Reyna ever gets a job again based off of the stuff that he said about that female referee, mm. I it would be absolutely infuriating. Like, just a slap in the face of every other female referee and, and female soccer player and everyone that's part of the of USSF. It's just... It's kind of insane that this has been happening since apparently 2016 <laughs> and no one said anything. Like, yeah. that is really really bad mm. talks about the nepotism and everything i mean it's just going to be really interesting how this all plays out like what is gonna what's it gonna look like in the next two three months when we hopefully have a general manager and have started the coaching search how this affects that going forward because that's what really yeah. matters this stuff it's basically in the past but what is this going to affect going forward that's what i'm looking at and of course, I don't know if you saw it, Ishmael, but the, uh, I guess, uh, uh, Claudio Arena released a statement from his lawyers oh, yeah. that essentially said, uh, well, this is a one-sided, well, dude, you, did, you didn't agree to sit down and be interviewed. Like, what, what else is going to happen? <laughs> like, oh, my he also gosh. talks about his, his, his dead child from 11 years ago. Yeah. Like, I really, I cannot take this person seriously anymore. I just really hope it doesn't affect Gio's progression in his career because the stuff that he's saying now is just, just, like, leave me off with this. I don't really care about what you think about anymore. Like, seriously, get out of yeah. U.S. soccer, Claudio Reno. So, 
my take on it is is if you're if you're a person who's being asked to interview for the managerial job do you want to manage a team that brings that i mean th this type of parent is not a unique occurrence in american soccer this is actually quite common in u.s soccer we've this is the first time we've heard of it at this level, but I doubt if the Reynas are the only toxic U.S. Uh, mm. national team member parents out there. They're just the most vocal and the only ones that, that have, you know, stood out at the moment. But I doubt they're the only ones. And I know some people looked at what Berhalter was getting paid, which was uh, something just under $2 million, I believe. That's not going to attract a big name. European manager like everybody's hoping you know US is going to go out and get that that's not gonna that, that might not even attract a you know guy that's that's established in Europe for that amount that's it's got to have to be someone that has connection to US soccer or to American soccer in some form or another and those people are going to know the Reynas and whether we like it or not, Geo is going to be a part of this U.S. men's national team, regardless of what their parents are doing in the background. So if you are a manager, do you want to deal with that, that level of toxicity? Because that's not going to go away. Maybe it won't mm. be maybe it won't be out as open as before, but it'll still be there. Uh, and, God, you know, I, I, I don't have a problem with Berhalter coming back or not being brought back. As far as I'm concerned, his years with you at the U.S. were better than the previous manager. And in my opinion, enough to be given another shot. But at the same time, there's also something to be said for bringing in new, new talent, new vision. So I don't really care either or as long as a competent manager is put in place. And I honestly... I think Berhalter's results speak for themselves. Nobody really thought the U.S. was going to get out of their group. No one thought they were going to win the titles that they did win under Berhalter. It's just every time Berhalter did something good, people would move the goalposts and say, ah, yeah. that was expected. Yeah. No, it wasn't. Everybody was cheering against him, everything, all the way. So I don't agree yeah. with, the, with the whole mediocre results. I think people are just... The U.S. is not a superpower. They don't have superpower talent. They can't just walk up against a team and blow them out of the water. They have to be well-managed. So if your argument is he could have managed better, I, I would agree to that. But I don't buy the whole, we have so much talent. Gio is not a must-start player. There's there's several players that, that, people, that fans love that they just cry if they're not starting or on the field. And I don't think the level of talent in the U.S. is to that level. But it is on the up and up. And, and this is, whoever they get, it's going to be a crucial, mm -hmm. crucial signing. This whole drama, though, is just, I'm just worried it's going to scare yeah. away any top manager that is actually considering coming to the U.S. Yeah, this is, this is the interesting point that you, you brought up. No one is going to really want the job. And so if Burhalter doesn't come back... There's a non-zero percent chance that our next head coach going into 2026 is Anthony Hudson. So, like, the Reina's basically doomed us to... And, and when people got really mad 
that Oguchi Onyewu was part of the GM like pool, like that the USMNT was looking at that. Well, it's be- and his his credentials are not great. Like he's currently working for a second division side in Belgium. Well, the reason is again the only reason to take this job is if you really want it. If like you are super invested in U.S. men's national team and their future. So like there is a possibility that Jesse Marsh, who's talked about wanting to do this job before, comes in and does it. But besides that, there isn't really anyone in Europe that would that has talked openly about wanting to be wanting to be part of the U.S. men's national team, right? So Oguchi Onyewu probably really wants this job, and that's probably why he's part of this search for GM, even though his credentials are not good enough, full stop, for a national team general mm. manager. And so this is going to harm the U.S. men's national team because we're either going to have someone who wants to be here but maybe doesn't have the credentials for it or someone that's already in the organization, like Anthony Hudson, become the leader for this national team. And that would be or, really Or recycle, recycle an old coach like Bruce Arena or someone like that. Oh, yeah. Bring back Bruce Arena. That worked great last I'm just, time. I'm just saying, yeah. I, my concern, yeah. my concern yeah. is that they will bungle this so badly that we'll be begging Berhalter to come back. And, and that's what I don't want to see. I want, I want, I'm a U.S. men's national team fan. I want the team to succeed. And I'm hopeful that, that this doesn't derail any, any positivity that came out of the last cycle. Not a great cycle but a cycle that this team can build upon and set higher goals based on those results. Yeah. Oh, what a what a day of drama. What a day of drama. We all love, we all love drama, but still. Yeah, that was just anyway. Well, we need to leave it there. I appreciate Ishmael and Jose, your presence and your, your words tonight uh, as we have look back at that Vancouver draw a good good a good movement forward for FC Dallas and hopefully it continues this weekend against Sporting Kansas City at home should be a fun match to watch in the meantime of course uh, check out the website uh, we'll have Jose's player grades come out tomorrow we'll do some have a, have the audio version of this podcast also available tomorrow and uh, yeah we appreciate your subscription to the site watching us following us supporting us And, of course, your support of FC Dallas, our beloved team. All right. Good night, everybody. Good night, y'all. Good night. Good night, everybody.